Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, guys, and welcome back to the Treatment Room Podcast. I'm your host, Tessa Zolli, and I'm lucky enough to have a special returning guest with me, Douglas Preston, who is the founder of Preston Acne Pros. He has 42 years of experience as an esthetician, and he is the creator of the amazing Preston Comedone Extractor. Today, I wanted to talk to you about teen acne, which I know you have a lot of experience with, right? Pretty much every day. I would say that teens represent about three quarters of my uh, acne clients. Uh, beginning at uh, around age 12, although I've seen them younger, and uh, and all the way up um, you know, to when they're off to college. <laughs> uh, and then beyond that, right, when they're in their early uh, 20s, if the condition persists. So I see them, uh, yeah, uh, pretty much every day. Uh, it's about an even split between boys and girls. And um, the, the type of client that boys and girls represent is, is sort of unique, and we can go into that if we want to. But um, yeah, uh, I think teenagers are very enjoyable to work with. They, um, they have a full range of concerns you know, personalities, behaviors, um, and, and all of that now, of course, intersects with the pressures of school uh, and, uh, uh, and in particular, social media and the influencers. So there's a, they're, they're carrying a lot around with them, including, uh, uh, unfortunately, acne. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about this before, but I just really can't fathom how teens are handling not only the stress of school itself, but also applying to colleges and having a new level of peer pressure that you and I didn't really experience with with having social media and having their phones attached to them at all times. Right, right, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a it's a heavy burden. Um, and and you're right. Uh, it's um, it's it's in, exacerbated by certain you know eras of their of their uh, teenhood, not the least of which is applying for colleges in the um, uh, in their senior year. But in my area, because there are so many kids who have, uh, attend private school, uh, when they're in middle school, they literally have to apply to attend a private school, and it's very much like applying for universities. And has the same stresses, and you know I'm I'm completely unfamiliar with that, you know, in terms of my own history, but it's it, it has a big effect on, you know, on how they feel, and therefore um, the condition of their acne, uh, whether or not it's, it has to do with hormone elevation, uh, junk food eating, you know, to because of the stress, um, or just uh, just stress in general, and uh, and. Uh, and other uh, psychological pressures that that they face. I'm I'm really curious because I know teen acne does kind of have a reputation for being more persistent. Is there any reason it's so prominent with teens? Is it does it really have to do with what you mentioned about elevated hormones and that kind of being like a shock to their system with the onset of puberty? Well, it begins there, certainly. Uh, you know, the, the sebaceous glands are present in the follicles, uh, but do not click on until the sex hormones uh, begin to, um, you know, influence the system as a whole. And uh, then uh, all we're going to know at that point is whether or not 
conditions that lead to acne begin to manifest then. So for example, if they have uh, an, an elevated uh, amount of sebum production and also uh, shedding of epithelial matter in the follicle, and that blends together to create blockages, um, then uh, at, at that point, we're going to notice uh, where that's going to go. You know, many, many people uh, develop uh, open and closed comedones, but have no infection or inflammation whatsoever. It, and, and for me, I consider acne appearance of inflammation and infection, not just the presence of uh, open and closed comedones. So that, that's, that's an aesthetic issue. You know, you can live with it, right? It doesn't look good, but it's not, you know, it's not going to cause a secondary problem. Um, so, and, and of course, in each individual, then we see uh, that influence. And, um, and that may be uh, every follicle on the face and back, neck and back, chest, uh, or just a random collection here and there. Um, we don't know. And then, of course, uh, also what, what, what form that will take, whether it's going to progress from just a little T-zone activity, you know, to full-blown facial acne, neck, and all of that. Family history gives us some clue, but it doesn't necessarily uh, indicate uh, where it's going to go in this individual. So it just takes time to uh, understand that and then address it with treatment uh, as uh, the evidence appears. Yeah, absolutely. I'm also curious, from your perspective, are there certain triggers that you would consider the most prominent with teens? Well, if we're talking about triggers that um, <clears throat> I would say it's stress more than anything right now, uh, stress is going to elevate the androgen hormones and we're going to see more, uh, more sebum produ uh, produced in the follicles. When that happens, again, if they are sense, if the individual is sensitive to what the acne bacteria is doing down there in that uh, follicle, you know, there's plenty of food to eat, no oxygen, right? It's, you know, it's a, it's a perfect playground for, for acne bacteria, uh, then uh, elevations of that, whether it's you know, stress, probably the number one um, uh, trigger, as we call it, um, is, uh, will influence it. But there can be many other things, and it kind of goes down a hierarchy. But again, it intersects with each individual. Um, that from my experience with the teens I work with, and it's been many, many, many of them, I steadily watched uh, the uh, prevalence of anxiety disorder, depression, um, OCD behaviors, and other kinds of increase. And I'm in a very affluent area. You would think, oh, you know, what do these kids have to worry about? Well, it's plenty. Uh, and much of it is peer pressure. Some of it's parental pressure to perform and perform well in school. You know, the parents' ego is involved, right? And they want their kids to be in the best schools. And, you know, how they do is a reflection of the parent as a, you know, as a parent, right? And, um, and it, it's creating tremendous uh, pressure on these kids. And they're not, co they're not equipped to cope with it. So we're seeing, an, you know, an elevation of teenage acne, teenage suicide, teenage drug addiction, all sorts of things. And... Um, and it's, it's almost kind of a result, uh, a negative result of our success as a society on one hand, but also an unexpected uh, consequence on the other. So, you know, acne is, is, uh, is involved. I think stress is something that I see with, I mean, of course, everyone has their own levels of stress, but I see anxiety as something that is very prevalent on my client intake forms, high stress levels. And it's, I think, a challenge for the esthetician because stress can be hard to measure yeah. and it's hard to provide the right tools as well. Is there anything you find yourself suggesting to the teens you notice are, who just kind of have a lot on their plate or maybe it's visible stress? You know, the best thing I can do for them is listen to them. Um, mm -hmm. they, you have to be careful with this, of course, because, you know, I'm dealing with minors and 
and female minors, uh, you know, at that, and I'm a male. Um, but they will say things to me about their circumstances, and they do this without being questioned, of course. I don't ask them how their personal life is, right? Um, but I will ask them, you know, are you experiencing, you know, sources of stress or anxiety? Are there things troubling you, you know, that, that sometimes make you feel like, you know, <laughs> you're not okay in places? And, 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 and it opens a door for them to, to talk. Some do more than others. Boys tend to be more reticent than females usually, but, but many of them open up to me. And um, <clears throat> it's important for me to know some of this information. Uh, I certainly haven't heard anything you know, over the years of, uh, you know, like abuse or things like that. That's never come across my door. But, but certainly, you know, undue pressure, uh, favoritism, you know, sibling favoritisms, at least as, you know, as far as the kid is concerned, right? Um, uh, not spending it, you know, parents not spending enough time with them. Uh, pressures at school, they feel like there's unfair treatment, um, a, a lot of things. And it's really bothering them. And of course, it's normal for teenagers to, you know, to encounter these things as they take measure of the world they live in. But, um, but I have never seen it turn into something so acute as this kind of acne. Now, there is, there is another side to this story which is that maybe early in my career, let's go back 30 years, right, which is, which is not rewinding all the way, um, parents didn't choose estheticians for aesthetic care for acne like they do today. Um, there, again, there's, there's more affluence, it's more affordable. There's also a philosophical shift about how to treat acne Parents are much more interested in alternatives to drug programs. Um, so, and whether it is you know diet, whether it's a psychotherapist uh, or an esthetician, there are reasonable ways of improving acne, and probably superior ways in most cases than just you know the prescription pad, which is is going to do probably little more than just minimize the effects of acne, but not really get to the other side of it. In congestive acne, which is where I specialize, uh, mm -hmm. it's all about uh, circumventing the cause, right? So we want to get the follicles clear, the bacteria down, yeah. so we don't have that manifest of, you know, pimples and inflammation. I totally agree with you. I think what I'm hearing from many, many clients, it's almost daily now, is just that the experience in going to see a medical professional <clears throat> for acne, it's a very short appointment. It doesn't feel thorough. And I think people are starting to feel the prescriptions are just, um, you know, prescribed very quickly without much long-term consideration. And what I've seen just from working with clients who have been on prescriptions, everything from Accutane to Spiranolactone to the antibiotics, I know we hear the phrase, it's a Band-Aid, but I think the issue I see, although sometimes medication can be helpful for the right person, is that it's not really addressing that root problem. Like you were saying, it's not getting into the follicle and keeping it clean. You have to do that consistently when you're looking at a chronic condition like acne, because even if you were to go on something like Accutane, sure, it's helping with the inflammation and oil, but can you take it forever? And when you stop, what are you going to do to treat your skin and, and kind of keep the head start that you got from that medication? Mm -hmm. Certainly. Uh, all that's in play. Um, you know, as you, I'm a, I'm a rather astute observer of the world, and I have a sociology background, so paying attention to what happens socially and how, how the environment interacts with behavior uh, is something that I measure pretty carefully because it influences what I do and the people I work with. But you notice that as you are dealing with uh, lower income areas and maybe where the education level isn't quite the same, um, 
there acne will be more evident uh, and fewer people are going to use an esthetician for that it's just not affordable and um, and so the medication route might be the best way and the most affordable way the pro you know there there's there's sort of a sort of a negative loop here which is that um, people don't want to pay more than they have to for medical care so they get insurance and insurance then negotiates down to the doctor, right, for appointments. Um, teenage acne in the dermatologist's office is not a very lucrative source of revenue. And so in order for a physician to deal with congestive acne, they have to remove comedones. They're not going to do that today. Now, they used to do that some many years ago, uh, they but they would bill insurance uh, for acne surgery just by removing comedones. And uh, after a while, insurance companies said, no, we, you know, you, we're not going to pay you all this money to squeeze the blackhead out of the skin, right? So that's out. And so the billing is so poor that a physician has to see a lot of patients an hour to make it worth their while. So that means, hi, yeah, it looks like you're breaking out. Here, take this. Come back and see me in five or six weeks. We'll see how it's going. Bye, right? And they're in the and they're with the next you know kid with pimples. It's it's unfortunate, but it is an economic matter, and physicians need to make a living too, right? And so that's what's happened there. So of course, you know, we have to find the quick fix, and medication is a it is not a cure, yes, of course not, nor is aesthetics. It is control. But we have a different way of doing it. And uh, very often, in, in rare cases, I should say, uh, do any of my clients actually need to continue with medication uh, or go to it at, at all? A lot of that has to do with the, with the physical realities of that person uh, and, and the degree to which the acne is, actually, is affecting them. And then, of course, how often they come here and how compliant they are at home. And, you know, we're talking about teenagers, right? And then, you know, the dietary aspect of it and kids you know, have access to more junk food than ever. It's, it's the, you know, it's most of their diet, particularly with, you know, lots of sugar, di uh, um, uh, salt and uh, dairy products. Boy, you know. <laughs> uh, and then at the same time, estheticians are business people. You know, we're not cures, we're controls. And I have had many, many teenage clients who've come to me for years to just to keep it under control, but they don't mm -hmm. want to go to medication. And that is mm -hmm. how, that's how our business operates. Yep. Can you speak to, you know, some of the treatments that you find effective for teenage acne, say there's an esthetician listening, maybe a light bulb is going off for them and they're thinking, I'd like to treat more teens. What could I do in my treatment room to um, offer more when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply solutions for them? Well, you know, most of the treatments that are, that are um, being used by estheticians for acne are pretty much dictated by, you know, by the manufacturers of the products, right? And they all have a different philosophy. And, you, and um, uh, so it's up to the individual esthetician to decide how far into that they want to go. <clears throat> and there's some really great acne products out there, but they're only as good as the user. But certainly when we're talking about congestive acne, I won't address hormonal acne because it's kind of out of my you know, wheelhouse a little bit to deal with a lot of that. I can make advice on it, but I can't take that away. But I can respond. And um, so certainly uh, we want to use 
uh, salicylic acid, you know, to help uh, uh, loosen up the material in the follicles and, and minimize some of the inflammation. Uh, I like to use um, uh, various types of mild peels, whether it's mandelic acid all the way up to alpha hydroxy acid peels. They're stronger ones. Uh, but th this seems to be a spread that works well for me. Or enzyme masks and does crustacean lotions, raising that pH uh, to get the skin uh, uh, much more pliable. Uh, I'm a benzoyl peroxide fan. I regret it's, it's drying uh, uh, um, a side effect, but it really does help get that oxygen into the follicle and reduce the, the uh, proliferation of, of uh, acne bacteria. And then finally, we need to use some kind of a hydrator to help keep the skin uh, from drying out too much in, and creating a secondary problem. So those are kind of the big guns, you know, uh, for us. Um, for me, it's a very mechanical way of handling acnes. Therefore, with the, with the extractor that I in, invented, it's the backbone of my treatments. So when, a, when somebody comes in, with congested skin, we're going after the sebaceous plugs and take out as many of those as we can. And of course, with that tool, you can do a lot more than with any other method. Uh, and that is very, very helpful because for each one of those plugs that we remove is a potential pimple they're not going to get. And then we start to get ahead of the bacteria cycle, deny it, you know, it's, it's happy place. <laughs> and uh, then hopefully, um, uh, get compliance uh, with home care from our kids. I know you're big on extractions and that's so interesting that dermatologists used to do more manual extractions like that. They did. I had no idea. Well, they know what causes it. <laughs> they yeah, just, right. You know, they can't charge enough to treat it. I mean, you know, if, if, you, if you looked at it on a scale and said, okay, you know, if it takes a, if a dermatologist has got to see at least ten kids an hour, right, uh, to um, to make ends meet, and they're only getting a certain amount of money from you know Blue Shield for that appointment, um, what do they have to charge to spend you know fifteen to twenty to thirty minutes with a patient? A lot. And, and insurance won't cover it, so it would have to be cash. It'd be a lot. And the frequency would be heavy. One of the things that makes my work so successful with young people is the way I handle them. I'm a very casual kind of guy. I'm not real super clinical. I mean, I know, I know how to be that way. But it doesn't resonate well with them. I don't want them to feel like they're coming to a doctor. You know, my, my, my clinic is so surreal. Well, you've been here. You've been my client. It's very yes. serene, relaxing. It's very casual. I am super professional, but at the same time, approachable. And I'm also realistic with kids, you know. I want to, I, I, I speak their language in a sense. I'm not as vulgar as they are. but. <laughs> <laughs> well. No, I think that's a great point. It's it's hard to do to to balance, you know, professionalism with being as approachable as you are and making people feel like they're coming to a friend, which <clears throat> I think also for kids coming to an older guy, it really could be intimidating if you were very clinical, but yeah, I think that's just interesting for everyone to hear because I think when you're kind of starting your career, you're kind of trying to balance how to relate to people with showing your professionalism. So I think oftentimes it can come off over professional or using a lot of big, you know, esthetician words, that kind of thing. But if you can strike the balance, I think that is like really the sweet spot for success. Yeah. And it's, it, you're right. And it's normal for estheticians to want to, you know, to, to want to uh, il demonstrate their credibility, if, if you, if, if you will. Right. And, and particularly if you're newer in the business, you're not really sure what you know and don't know. So it can be come across as very scientific, clinical, 
uh, and even a bit regimented. And I just don't practice that way. I know that some some estheticians require, you know, they have these kind of boot camp like things and they have the, the, the contracts that you have to sign and all of this, which is just another way of saying, you know, I need you to do what I want you to do um, in order for, for it to be worth your while and my while to treat, treat you. I'm not like that at all. You know, very realistic. So it's like, look, here's what you have. Here's what we need to do to try to get that down. It's kind of a partnership, right? So you, I have my part to do. You have your part to play. And in between there, we want to try to make this better. But look, I don't expect you to be perfect. You're probably going to pick your skin. You know what? I did too when I was your age. Let's just be realistic about this, right? But if you help me out and you follow my directions as much as possible, I think we're going to see a pretty good result. How does that sound? Do you think we could do that together? And they like that, you know? So, you know, they're not just dealing with one more parental-like authority. They're on their side. And I, I, I get how they live, right? And I, and I accept it. And um, if what they're doing doesn't help me, that's their business. And as long that no one has ever said, you know, I haven't been following my directions at home and I forgot all my products and all of this and it's all your fault. You know, it's just never happened. No one has ever said your work that has not helped me. It just hasn't happened. And so, and I doubt that it would ever would. But as long as each one of us knows what's really going on, then we're fine. And remember, they keep coming back. As long as they do, I'll treat them. Yeah, I think, you know, there are different approaches. Some people do follow the more strict boot camp style of program and it, it works for them. Um, I think as long as like you're able to maintain that relationship with the client where everyone feels comfortable and everyone can kind of be honest and um, just have good communication. Well, I want to enjoy my work, you know, so I don't set it up <laughs> <Yeah. to> struggle. <laughs> right. You don't want to feel like a dictator. Yeah, no, I just want <laughs> to feel good when they come here and feel good about me. Yeah. And, and and if our results are incremental and they take a while to get, okay. But mm -hmm. it's it's always been successful at one level or another, either in, in helping to just control a fairly minor acne condition some pretty horrific cases that I've worked with and got under control. Even I didn't think I could, but we did, right? And so, um, so again, your experiences as an as an acne therapist are going to range over that whole course. And um, but it's one of the most gratifying forms of aesthetics I think you can do because the results are immediately visible, unlike and unlike age management, uh, where a temporary result, but we don't really know if we're slowing down aging. With acne, we know. And um, and so we can see that. It's very gratifying, but it also has a tremendous impact on our clients' sense of self-esteem, comfort, and even their future, particularly if we can avoid uh, uh, the uh, incidence of, of, of scarring. Mm, yeah, those are great points. Um, when it comes to that emotional piece, um, how do you approach that with the client? Do you ask the client, you know, is this affecting your self-esteem on a certain level? Do you just assume? Do you try to make that like a touch point with the client? Uh, I, I, I'm very ginger about that sort of thing. So I don't, I'm not, I'm sort of nonspecific. So when I'm talking to them about having acne, I'll say, you know, how do you, how does it make you feel, you know, when you're seeing it, you know, are there situations where you're like, oh, I would really hate this. I wish I wasn't, you know, so I, I make it a bit hypothetical so they can fill in the situation. Um, but, but I'm a pretty savvy guy, you know, I mean, I, I know what they're talking about because it is a pretty narrow range, right? You know, it's, it's public humiliation and bullying that comes from it comparisons, you know, your, who hangs out with you at school will be based on how you look, you know, the pretty boys and girls are always, you know, in a clutch, right? 
and geeky you is not going to be in that circle. And <laughs> so, you know, it, it has a way of working itself out, right? But, um, but at the same time, they'll kind of intimate to you. Uh, you don't have to be, you know, a psychotherapist to know that if this person is experiencing these things, um, that uh, how that is going to happen, because we've all went through that time ourselves. Maybe you didn't have acne, but anything, you know, we had other things, right? Maybe you were a little overweight or you were short or, um, you know, you didn't, you had a big nose or just something, right? That just wasn't quite perfect. <laughs> um, we can, you know, we can, we can obsess over any perceived flaw. And uh, I found in the years I've been an esthetician, the more perfect the person, the more that they would almost invent reasons to worry including the day that that's going to go away, right? Which is going to happen. And so, <laughs> and that's when they, you know, go from the esthetician to the plastic surgeon and back again, right? Let's maintain what we did. But um, it's, all the, it's all of a piece. You know, it is all, you know, how we perceive ourselves, the environment that we're in, and the consequences of being who we are. And, you know, we, we're, we're trying to, get an easy ride through life uh, and those things make it hard it does <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely I can totally understand why somebody would want to um, jump on medication because it they want it gone yeah 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 I was yeah. a redhead at school you know and I wasn't too tall I wasn't short I wasn't real tall and I had red hair you don't want to have red hair when you're a boy and a kid right um, you don't because people point it out they Mm -hmm. but, um, mm -hmm. but you know, you you learn to negotiate it. You know, I was just smarter right. than a lot of them, right? And I could use that against them. And um, you find ways of defending yourself. And then later on, when I was sixteen or fifteen or sixteen, a girl told me how much she really liked my hair. Changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's like really. <laughs> so we we carry these things around with us, and. Uh, I didn't dye my hair. Mm -hmm. Good. <laughs> I'm glad to hear. Yeah, I feel like you're sort of alluding to a little bit, Douglas, um, earlier, acne dysmorphia mm -hmm. and the perceived reality of it being there. Um, I've definitely had that experience actually with many teen clients who, I mean, thank gosh we take pictures because the transformation is incredible, but that lingering feeling for a lot of them still stays. And although they're 95% clear, they'll find something like, why are my pores so much bigger than, you know, the other girls my age? And mm -hmm. um, I do find people can, can really fixate even when the problem is kind of gone. Is that something you see in practice? Yeah, I I do, and honestly, I'm seeing more of it even in males, and mm. uh, because males are going through quite a shift in their social status now, and I'm noticing that younger men don't they don't feel like they're masters of the universe anymore. You know, women have come up to that challenge, right? I mean, you know, guys set them up for this. So now women are saying, hey, you know, we've got our own power. We're making our own money. And, uh, you know, I can choose men on the way they look, on the basis of how they look. I don't care what he does, right? Is he hot? And <laughs> and guys are picking this up. And they're like, uh-oh, you know, the, the, this is how I'm being judged. How do I look? <clears throat> when they come into a place like this, they're really concerned about that. Mm alarming extent in some cases i was talking about this with a colleague mm -hmm. the other day, and these men are just they're so concerned about <clears throat> you know these physical flaws and aging and yeah and, and and how they look and some of them you know are not doing that well in the in the romantic world and they they're not sure what it is so it must be their looks things like that but mm -hmm. um sometimes with females uh, I'll get teens who are pretty obsessed with their appearance. They're spending a lot of time in a, in a you know, in a five power mirror. 
many times they're causing their own problems because they're digging away with fingernails. Yeah. A, yeah. A, a mother bring her 16-year-old daughter to me the other day who had heard that I can do these great things with acne. I took the, I, I examined the skin and I said, there's nothing I can do for you. He said, everything that is I'm seeing on your skin right now is a, is a personal injury. And you are, you have, there is nothing evident that's causing the acne, but there is a lot of, a lot of digging away at the skin. And, and, and I have to handle that so delicately, right? Cause I care. I said, do you find that you're, you're kind of doing that a lot? She's like, yeah. And, and tears are coming to her eyes because I said, I, I'm going to decline treating you. I said, what I'd like for you to do, though, is to think about what you're doing and maybe uh, talk about it. See if you can find a way to minimize that. And then if you can let your skin heal up, I'd like you to come back. And then I can tell you what I see. And then between you know, the evidence that's in front of me and my knowledge, then we can, I can see whether or not I can be helpful to you. And the mother kind of intimated to me that, you know, that they've been thinking about getting some, some therapy, which I think is a good idea. Um, but this girl's just tearing herself to pieces and she's, I could already tell she's got some permanent scarring coming. And, um, but I couldn't help her. And I'm really honest about my work. Uh, and it just would not have been appropriate for me to work on this skin that was had a lot of fresh scars and, 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 and you know, and fingernail lesions and all of this. And that was all caused by, by her. So, but then there are others who are just obsessed with things. And you, you're right. They, don't, they can't even see the problem, but they are sense it. And that kind of client usually is not going to stay with me very long because I can't find the target and they are influenced by everything and everyone. They always, they lot, try lots and lots of new products and techniques. I'm just one, I'm just one step on that, on that path. And usually they'll come to me once or twice and then they're gone. So um, I don't see them that often, but occasionally they come along. I know them, but I know them in advance. I know immediately yeah. it's going to yeah. go and it won't, and it won't be far. <laughs> And what about um, in terms of home care and the products you're recommending to teen clients? Mm -hmm. I I totally hear you. I think there's you know big influences like Sephora. There's products all over TikTok, um, just more than ever in terms of cosmetics that people mm -hmm. can be influenced to buy. How does that work with what you do? Are you um, making product recommendations? Are your regular clients on a routine with you? It really depends. You know, the, I would say most people I work with are willing to go along with a home care regimen that I suggest. Uh, some of them fish around. I have parents who bring their kids here, but they're looking for cheaper products than I have. And that's their right. Sometimes they'll ask me, you know, is there something else I can find somewhere else? Well, I won't do that because I know what I know. And I, I don't want to take responsibility for recommending or even suggesting something that I don't use and sell because I don't know what's going to happen with that, right? So it's kind of like, well, you, you, you need to do your own research on that, but here's some ingredients to look for and, and here's a few to avoid. Pick your own products, right? So, uh, uh, and then I have, I have clients who just buy everything that I've recommended and do it over and over again. So it's a curve, you know, from nothing to a lot. But when it comes to recommending products, I want to try to match up what I suggest with, with reality. And so let's say I've got a 14-year-old boy sitting here with his mom or dad. I'll say, okay, tell me what you do at home now to take care of your skin, right? Anything at all. Well, you know, they wash it with something. They don't know what it is, something. Okay. Um, that boy is not going to do very much. You know, they, I mean, literally you have to 
you know, put a gun to them to get them in the bathtub, right, or the shower. They just don't care about that sort of thing. So, you know, if they got three, four products you have to use on a regular basis, it's not very likely. Some kids are very motivated, you can tell, right? They want to know. And so, so I, I recommend up to the point where I think we're going to have some success, and then maybe a little bit more as time goes on, depending on what they're doing. Um, <clears throat> usually the biggest problem is that they'll run out of product and forget to tell mom, and then suddenly, you know, they're reversing, right? I had that happen yesterday. I, it's, I was like, yeah, I'm kind of out of some things. Again, I don't, I don't punish. You know, I just want the information. The mom will say, well, how long has that been? And I'm like, she doesn't know. So I said, so what do you need? And uh, she'll tell me. I said, okay, good. The main thing is that you get back on, right? Let's keep the negativity out of this, right? They don't need to hear me say, well, you know, you can't run out of product because if you do, da, 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 or, I just then I just now I become dad, right? And I want to be their advocate, not you know, you know, not not a sheriff. And so they um, uh, they have a positive relationship with me and those products. Uh, and then you know, they go off to college, right? And we ship product there and they'll come back and, you know, during holidays and they're back in here. So, um, so I try to recommend to where I believe we're going to see use of the product. Females would typically do more than males. And so, you know, there'll be an extra something or other. But usually it doesn't ever exceed about five things. And even then, you know, that can be a lot for a boy that forget it. <laughs> they might, right? And that some are really motivated. But, but on a, you know, uh, overall, you know, the, I, I want to recommend the product that will have the biggest impact um, in spite of the fact that it may truly not be enough for um, what I'd like to see them do, but it is what they will at least do. Do you see sensitivity often with your team clients or not so much? Reaction wise, you mean on the skin? Yeah. Sensitivity to maybe actives like benzoyl peroxide, or do you find they can kind of acclimate? Yeah, benzoyl peroxide, usually the sensitivity though is manifested more in, you know, in in hyper dryness. And, uh, and particularly now going into the colder months, we're going to see that we have to offset that a little bit with more hydration, right? Exfoliation so that we don't have the dry dead skin cells wicking more moisture out of the skin. Uh, and it's uncomfortable and it also doesn't look very good. So, um, so uh, yes, um, uh, this, in terms of sensitivity to particular ingredients, not so much, you know. I mean, I've I've been doing what I do for so long that I have now, you know, I I have sort of landed in a range of products and ingredients that, for the most part, are very reliable, and uh, and I can operate within that. And again, being a congestive acne therapist, you know, the the, the cornerstone for that type of treatment is is, is extractions, right? And, and nothing that I can recommend for them at home is going to minimize that. Not really. Um, but but it, it can help with the inflammation. It can help with the degree of, you know, of accumulation that happens in the follicle. Um, but, um, you know, it is a managed program. And as long as they have it, I can help manage it. And then they can help it need less management. Uh, and you know, some over the decades, that's 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 worked. How about in terms of you know setting a expectation for a timeline? Is that something you ever do? No. What would you do if somebody said like you know, how soon can I expect to see results? Uh, it certainly comes up, <clears throat> but. First of all, I don't promise that I can improve the condition that I'm in front of because I don't know that. Yeah. There's too many variables, right, that are out so, of my, too many things out of my mm-hmm. control. So that's mm-hmm. start there. But when that question comes up, or I may, uh, I, I may bring up that subject myself, 
I can say, well, based on my experience, that with the kind of acne that we're looking at here in your case, if you come here weekly for a while, for example, or every other week, or however however often I feel is, is going to make a difference, and you're following my routine pretty reliably at home, I'd say we're going to see some significant improvement in maybe two or three weeks. I would expect that. I can't say for sure, but that is common, really typical. So let's let's shoot for that and see what happens. Um, but I give myself a lot of room, you know, for possibilities because again, I I don't know what they're going to do or not do when they're you know when they're at home. Uh, but hopefully, um, you know, they will they will be compliant enough for me to um, you know to get around that. But, it's, our success rate's been really good. Uh, it's not a hundred percent, but uh, you know we're we've got a good reputation, so that says something, I guess. How about purging? Is that something you see with your acne clients when they're starting new active ingredients? I'm ambivalent about that term. Um, when we talk about purging, I, I I'm. I'm often a, a, a little bit of a, it, 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 I'm a little in doubt about what people mean. Because sometimes they'll be like, okay, well, if you're using a new product, you're going to purge all of this stuff from the skin. But a lot of times that quote purging is just a reaction to something that's been done to the skin. Sometimes it's follicular irritation. Sometimes it is an actual rejection of the of an ingredient through a, a, a you know through a bacterial buildup. Um, so the old idea that it's going to get a little worse before it gets better. Maybe I know that sometimes when people go on to uh, Retin A, for example, you know they'll get that they'll get a breakout reaction at the beginning. But Retin-A is also, you know, hyper, it, it creates a reaction in the follicle that the skin doesn't like, but it acclimates to. So pur purging is not one of those things that's big on my, you know, list of things. In fact, if it, I try to avoid that kind of response, because if it does start getting worse before it gets better, very often the client goes away. And they and they might perceive it as a as a negative, even when you tell them. So it's you know I understand the concept of it, but in my work it almost never happens. Or that it doesn't, and we get around the, the we we get around the the bacteria and we reduce the the uh, the the incidence of outbreak. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's always tough to distinguish. Anyway, is it just, you know, acne coming to the surface? Has something recently been triggered? We don't know. We can't really pinpoint. Is yeah, it purging? The process, of, of, the process of bacteria-based acne is pretty simple. But not everybody is not everybody responds to it. I mean, if you if you've got congested follicles, you've got bacteria there. It's down in but not everybody is sensitive to what that bacteria, the condition that bacteria is creating in the follicle. And so you'll have people who come in here and they've got dozens and dozens of comedones, but no infection, no inflammation, none, zero. Why not? You know, they've got this, the same condition in the skin and then someone else might get a little you know, a, a blocked follicle here or there, and it instantly becomes a pimple. Why? It's the same process. Um, and I have a feeling when we talk about, you know, outgrowing acne, you know, after a while you outgrow it, people hear about that. I, in my opinion, and I know I've said this before, and I haven't tested it, but I think that the skin finally acclimates, skins that are, in, that are sensitive to what acne bacteria is doing down in there, I think over time they acclimate, as the body does to most things, right? Like our first drink, <laughs> our first cigarette if you smoke, you know, just total rejection. <laughs> and then later on, you know, 
it's party time, right? And so <laughs> we we acclimate to uh, these things that are you know that are an assault to the body. Even even uh, I I believe that even if uh, if certain pollens that cause hay fever were around every day year round, never leave the body would eventually acclimate to them and the incidence of hay fever would go way down. But what happens is that it goes away. So we never have enough exposure to it to get used to it. So we, we're resensitized every year. Um, with acne bacteria and what it's doing in the follicle, it's 24-7, day in, day out, year after year. And so, but we tend to stop reacting to it. I mean, the sebum level can go down as well, which is helpful. But just in general, mm -hmm. times, you know, when you're around, people say, wow, 17, 18, 19, you start seeing relief from that. Why? Skin's still oily. There's still bacteria in there. Something's changed. I believe it is the body's sensitivity to that form of, of irritation. That's a good theory. Interesting. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. again, I, you know, I I haven't done a lab experiment on that. So let someone else do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Douglas, what about you know? There's a lot of like poor clogging ingredient checkers. There's a lot of long lists of cosmetic products uh, from skincare to makeup um, and even hair care ingredients that are kind of considered off limits or pore clogging. Are you kind of of that mind and does that play into your client work? Well, yeah, uh, certainly there are plenty of ingredients we want to avoid and anybody who's working in acne can easily find that information. Just, you know, just Google it, right? Comedogenic ingredients and you'll find page after page on it. But some of the lists don't match up. <clears throat> And there are some people who feel, for example, that, um, that um, for example, um, the meristates are congestive, right? Isopropyl meristate, aerostyl meristate uh, can be. Um, but the methicones, some people feel are fine for the skin, actually beneficial. Uh, but I've seen people react to that. So... Um, you know, it's, it's certain kinds of, uh, you know, of, of uh, natural fatty ingredients might be problematic. There are stimulants that can cause the skin to become, the, the, the uh, uh, sebaceous gland to become hyperactive, and then that's going to lead to perhaps more uh, congestion. But um, mostly what I want my clients to do is to try, I try to get them not to experiment. Have acne. I'm 90 percent of the products that are made out there, including many acne products, the you know the drugstore uh, and and um, grocery store level of pro products, have actually ingredients that most people would feel are acne causing. They're base ingredients, and so um, I just try to keep my clients away from certain kinds of products and product experimentation because almost always it's going to get them in some kind of trouble. And then, you know, certain dyes, you know, example, you know, FD&C dyes in, in, in blush, for example, for those who are still using that, right, it stimulates the sebaceous glands. So, um, you know, I, would, I recommend eyeshadows in blush colors because eyeshadows, the, the red family in eyeshadows contain carmine, which is not comedogenic. Um, and that is only because uh, you, you, uh, cosmetics uh, with FD&C red dyes are not allowed in, in, in makeup ingredients for the, uh, around the eye area. Okay, it has nothing to do with acne. It has to do with eye sensitivity, but it works as a, you know, an eyeshadow will work as a, uh, as a blush. However, you know, they're smaller. <laughs> but I don't think anyone's ever worn out a blush. <laughs> when I was in the makeup world, people would come in with these things, right? They'd have a blush from like the eighth grade. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
still digging it around the edges, right? For sure. That's yeah. such an interesting tip. I've I've seen that too with a lot of red dyes yeah. and bronzers, blushes, and I've seen the cheeks become really impacted by that. Yeah, it's just it stimulates the sebaceous glands. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, you just you've got to you've got to look for everything when it comes to acne. Yes. But mm-hmm. and but again, going back to estheticians because that's our audience, you know. Do the best you can do. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. I'm doing a presentation at NASN in Walnut Creek on Sunday. Uh, excuse me, Monday, and it's all about that. It's you know how to be how to successfully treat teen teen acne without driving yourself crazy. Uh, and it's just all about that. And it'll you know it'll be a humorous presentation, but true. It's like hey, just relax. You know, treat it, but don't. You know, you're not trying to conquer the world with this, and you don't have to put too much expectation on yourself, or you'll be miserable. Right, and that's tough too because I know we care. I think estheticians have generally very big hearts, and we want to help people. Uh, so we definitely can take on that burden, especially as we get to know our clients. We really empathize with them. We want to cure it, but we have to remember, you know, what what the reality is. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in my, in my practice, I've had, I think three cases, all boys where I decided that I didn't want to continue working with them. And, and I had worked with them quite a while and their treatments were very unpleasant for them. They were, they were uncomfortable. They were, you know, bloody painful, but they just wanted to work with me. But I wasn't getting anywhere. And, and, and for the most part, it was because they weren't helping me at home. And they were digging their skin to, you know, <laughs> in, into just ribbons. And I felt as a, as a professional that, that I was now a part of the problem rather than part of the, the help. They were spending a lot of money and enduring these treatments and nothing was happening for the better. That's not a good thing. And and for my personal satisfaction as a professional, and really for my, you know, for my ethical core, if you will, it seemed to me that the best thing to do was to try to move them on to something that might work better. And and by that I am alluding to to medicine. The only thing that's going to get around it. And I've done that a few times. It's a it's kind of heartbreaking because they don't want to go. Right. But I just can't keep working on them. I, I just can't do it. Yeah. That is an extremely rare situation, but I right. felt it was the right thing to do. And uh, and ultimately for them it was because they, they did find a more successful uh, way to handle it. Yeah, I think that's a really, a really strong point to make because, of course, medication is never ideal, but there are definitely some of these outlier scenarios such as, you know, if the client really isn't willing to to do the home care, to adjust certain things, or perhaps it's an affordability issue, um, or just an extremely severe case that's not responding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They come along, and mm-hmm. then I and then I've had cases where I'd look at the skin and I and I really didn't think I could get around it. You know, was that that rough? And, uh, and where I wasn't sure I was going to get any help from, you know, from my client and, you know, and I have record of it. We did some, you know, incredible before and after, uh, uh, results, but, mm. um, and those are so much fun, you know, when you actually see, you know, such yeah. a dramatic case improve, it can take yes. a couple of years to get there, but that's fine. They're willing to do it. And of course, you know, like I said, I'm a business person, right? So that's part of why I'm here. And, you know, for me, really the main reason. And um, and then everything else has to fall into place. But uh, yeah, it's, it's some of those uh, some of those transformations are spectacular and yeah. you know, they're very gratifying for everybody. For sure. For sure. Yeah. One of the best feelings I think you can have is clearing Somebody, especially somebody who's told you that they've they've exhausted the other options, they've tried everything else, and if they've struggled 
some clients I see have struggled since they were 12 years old, 13 years old, to get them to clearing, especially, you know, for some of the bigger events in their adult life, like weddings. Um, that's something I really enjoy. Oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Hey, we miss you down here or up here. Oh, get down here soon and we can take you on a little tour of SoCal. Yeah, yeah, we plan to do it. So uh, we're looking forward to that. We're taking the, the month, technically the month of December off because um, we have some okay. exciting developments coming uh, next year that mm. uh, we're not going to announce yet, but will be a okay. lot of a, a, a big deal for Preston Acne Pros and um, and uh, Ooh, a new business. So yeah, yeah. Yay! Can't wait to hear. Well, um, before I let you go, Douglas, I did want to share your codes with the listeners in case anyone is interested in taking a course with you or checking out your products and tools. So everyone listening, I'll have those codes listed in the show notes. I have code TEST10 for any products or tools like the Preston Extractor, which is phenomenal. I really credit that and Douglas to helping me clear my own skin. And I have code TEST10 with a percentage sign, I think. Right, Douglas? For any of the online courses. So again, that'll be in the show notes for you guys. And Douglas, thanks so much for joining us for a second time. We so appreciate it. Oh, you know, it's always a pleasure. And anytime you you want to have me on board, well, you know, I'm there for you. You're always welcome back. We'd love to have you on uh, for more episodes this season. Well, and thank you for to your audience who, uh, you know, I know so many people who just love your podcast. I hear about oh. that. So we really oh. appreciate being a part of it. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening. This has been fun. Thank you, Douglas. And we'll talk to you all next week. <laughs>